with Grace Lee. She is a fellow reader at the Crooked Path, a fellow witchy practitioner, and a good friend of mine. She actually worked on, she was one of the crew members of the Shadow Crew for Betwixt the Shadows, which is on hiatus, but hopefully coming back. So Grace, welcome to the Glitter Cast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, so I kind of just want to dive in and I think that like everyone's origin story is so different and it was always fascinating to me to hear like how people got into this practice and their journey. Yeah. So, um, you know, typical nineties kid fashion, I was kind of introduced to, well, actually, no, before that I was, um, I always grew up on stories of like ghost stories, folk tales, folklore from around the world. Like I remember like I had memories of like my dad, like reading, <laughs> my dad would read me some of the scariest ghost stories before <laughs> bed when I was like a little kid. Before and, bed? Yes. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, this horrifying thing happened, then good night. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. And yeah, and I remember just like being like scared awake at night, just kind of like under my covers, like, oh crap, there's like stuff around me. There are, you know, like there's mm-hmm. ghosts, there's goblins, like holy crap. So then you know, flash forward to when the craft comes out and Sabrina and all that stuff becomes popular. And, you know, of course, you know, being the weird kid I am, I was gravitating towards it, like, you know, pretty, pretty easily. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm going to tell, I'm just going to um, try to keep like an inch or two away from the mic. Because okay. otherwise, yeah, like a little, sorry, I can like. Oh, sure. Do you want it up higher? Uh, I'm just noticing that it's cutting out a little bit. And so I'm worried. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's better. Yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I know. I'm like, now mine's not high enough. Like, <laughs> okay, so um, we left off at, so the craft came out and you were like already had this blueprint for, uh, do you remember any of those scary stories that like stuck with you particularly? Oh my God. Um, There was one about the, mid- it was called the Midnight Mass of the Dead. And it was about this lady who went to some like Christmas mass and everything. And she thought, oh, wow, like I want to go to Christmas mass. Yeah, you know, but then she goes to this midnight one and she's like, why is everything so weird? Like, you know, why are they playing like funeral music? And why is everyone here acting weird? And it turns out that she actually went to, and then, then she sees like her dead friend at this mass and she's like, oh crap, like I'm, this is, a, and her friend tells her, get out. This is the midnight oh mass of the de- dead. And like, if you stay here, you'll be one of us. And so she like runs out of the church and everything. But then the next morning, like you know she wakes up in her bed she's like was it all a dream but then she sees her coat and it was like torn apart because the dead people were trying to get her oh my gosh yeah just so you know the entire time you were telling that story I was having chills even (laughs) just like as a recap I was like I was like yeah I could see how that one would stick with you okay so how old were you when the craft came out ballpark um what was that like 95 96 right so they were like 10 so yeah Yeah. okay yeah mm -hmm, pretty much um what okay so how did that make things like how did that blow your mind open like how did how, what was the natural progression from that point forward well here's the thing like the, what the craft did really well was a capture a feeling of teenage alienation and everything you know and again you know as a kid who grew up on scary stories and also in a pretty religious household where they thought like literally like I believed like and what my family believed too was that the world was going to end like anytime soon. It was kind of oh. one of those like, yeah. Got it. Got <laughs> it. So clearly I was not the most well-adjusted kid. So then when I saw the craft, it was about a bunch of like girls who felt the same way. So, but then they took power back. Yes. And I think that's like the, I think that's the attraction for so many women who decide to start practicing witchcraft. Like, because I was like, like you, I grew up Catholic. And I remember like my turning point was I asked one of the teachers, why a woman couldn't be a, a priest. And she said, well, because only men can talk to God. And I was like, I'm out <laughs> like immediately done. And then it was like, yeah, around the same time the craft came out. I'm curious if it's okay. I want to ask you a little bit about like your religious upbringing and like, like, so were you like taught like doomsday stuff? Yeah, that was pretty much all of it. Like I do not remember any other book of the Bible except Revelations. And that's like, that's oh, a shit. cool one, you know, with yeah. all like, <laughs> that's like the heavy metal ones. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you, your parents were like heavy metal Christians. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
Did, were you afraid of that? Or did you think that like you were going to be like, you were going to be raised up to heaven? Like what, like as a little kid learning that, like what, what do you feel like it was like to process that? It was weird. Cause on the one hand I was like, yay, you know, we get to be in the eternity of like, you know, good things or whatever, like, you know, happy, fun, shine, sunshine stuff. And then, but then at the same time, I like then stayed up late, wait, late, late at night, just contemplating forever and what that meant and I remember just staring into the void when I was like seven years old like I was like I had like a bout of insomnia and that's when my insomnia started was like at seven. Oh wow and then I remember just staring up at like my ceiling and just staring into the void and be like what does that mean like what does eternal life actually mean like holy crap and I just like my mind exploded. (laughs) Yeah Yeah, I mean that's kind of like a deep thing for a seven-year-old to be thinking about. What was like what was the name of the religion? Like, what was the organization? They were, they're the Seventh-day Adventists. So oh, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know too much about them, but you're, what you're telling me, I guess, did they have like doom day prophecies or prophets oh, or like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, they're like, basically they're an off, like they're, they and the Jehovah's Witnesses are like offshoots of each other. So oh. they both come from the Millerite religion in like the 1800s, which was like a doomsday thing, but they kept like pushing the date back. Uh-huh. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sort of like, um, like the QAnon people with Trump mm-hmm. being instead. Like yeah, it's just a different yeah. date now. It's yeah. still going to happen though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the great awakening or whatever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so when you started to do you remember how old you are when you were like deciding to move away from that religion and like how like like was it like a flip that switched or was it something that you struggled with honestly it was a whole roller coaster ride like on one hand like I I ended up flipping the switch like officially when I was like middle school like Mm -hmm. right around then um and I rebelled by becoming a Presbyterian ooh (laughs) (laughs) Your parents were probably shitting their pants though, right? Um, It was weird, like, because they were kind of also coming away from it a little bit too as I got a bit older. Mm -hmm. Um, But they just became more like run-of-the-mill, like just non-churchy Christians. Yeah, less fear-based. Yeah. That's good. That's Um, good. Yeah. And then... And then, like, the full-on transition into, like, magic and witchcraft and everything didn't come until, like... I guess, like, I bought my first tarot deck when I was 14, and that's mm-hmm. how I got into tarot as well, because um, I didn't remember there was, like, the one crystal new age shop in town. Like, I, I grew up in Northern Virginia, Vienna. Oh, wow. So there would just be one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because, like, over there, like, the, the kind of stigma around this is, like, it's... It's not like people would call you a devil worship or anything like that. It's like, because in North Virginia, it's like close to DC and everything. So it's like almost the opposite. It's like, if you're into like spirituality or anything like this, um, it's more than you're kind of considered insane or like irrational. Yeah. So it's like the opposite sort of, you know, deal. Which is funny because it's like, I don't know how rational, like Christian or Catholic or like, you know, what I mean? like spirituality inherently is not a rational thing yeah, yeah. like it, like it's the other end of the spectrum so it's yeah. kind of interesting when like others stand in judgment it's like we're all equally crazy it's yeah. just like whatever <laughs> coping mechanism works for you like whatever yeah. helps you tap into the unknown yeah. like we shouldn't be that's kind of funny though so you're for, so like when you were 14 and you got your first tarot deck did you hi, did you have to hide it like what were like how did you work with it it was weird like I kind of like kept it hidden and yeah. I was like a little bit I I I mean, I still had the remnants of thinking it was like actual ghosts living in the tarot deck, which yeah. I learned like that's so not true. So you were taught that there were ghosts living in tarot decks? Or like kind of like like those divination methods, like tarot or Ouija or uh-huh. anything like that, that was like of the devil, you know, it's okay, like the yeah. devil's influence. So if I like to look at the cards and the cards are like the devil talking to me and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, I mean, it's so hard because like if you have to hide something like that, I think it's even easier to become like unhinged with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you don't have anyone to help you unpack it. Yeah. Did you show your friends? Did you have sleepovers with your docs? Yeah, like I think um, like when, I, when I first got into high school and everything, um, there was a few, they, they, there are a few girls in my class who were Wiccan or who I didn't, who were like Wiccan, a couple of people here and there. And so like, I kind of did cards with them, but they were like super dramatic about it too. They got like the three <laughs> of swords or like the devil card yeah. or like, <laughs> you know, they would just freak out like, oh my God, <laughs> no. 
my life's my little baby girl life is over yeah <laughs> they were probably the same girls too who were like having sleepovers and playing light as a feather stiff yeah, as a board and like I did. I did that too and I was like oh my god we raised you three inches we're like yeah. we're witches and it's like I don't know there's like seven of us trying to lift one girl yeah a couple inches kind of makes sense but <laughs> yeah, right. um oh. What, so do you remember like your first witchcraft book or anything like that? Yeah. So I, my first book, oh God, I forgot the name of it now, but it was like, I believe it was, um, I don't remember, but, uh, it was uh, from a friend who was practicing. She was a Wiccan. So, um, and then I I just borrowed a book from her. Um, I just remembered it was like a picture of, I believe like Morgan Le Fay in the cover. Okay. Um, I just don't remember the name, but it was like super Wiccan. I just remember that. Yeah. But that was like, you know, because that's the thing. That was the only thing available that even talked about the craft was through Wicca. Yeah. You know, where I grew up and everything. Yeah. No, same for me. I was in, you know, the suburbs of Phoenix, which is pretty, you know, at, at the time, very conservative, still is pretty conservative. And it was like all I could find were Wicca, Scott yeah. Cunningham books. So you got this book at what, what age about? Is it still around 14? 15, yeah, so. Okay. What was it like for you exploring these concepts for the first time? It was mind-blowing. I mean, for the first thing, like, well, the first thing that was the big draw was, like, the fact that these books, this spirituality, this religion, this practice, like, first of all, didn't hate me for being a woman. So yeah, I thought totally. that was my idea. Yeah, I was like, oh, I can be a goddess? What? Yeah, I was like, yeah. what? They're goddesses? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the power is equally distributed between the god and the goddess? Yeah. So I was like, what is this? Yeah. So that was, that, I mean, it was kind of, um, I guess, the first sense of liberation, too. And then I also really, like, it's, then this actually started in middle school, too. I love the idea of ritual mm-hmm. and, like, spells and candles. So I was carving, can, like, carving into candles from a really early age. Oh, even, wow. Yeah, but just, like, random random stuff like I would carve like pentagrams and moons and that kind of thing but not really knowing what I was doing (laughs) yeah totally just like it's you know I think it's I think that like maybe subconsciously though you were like solidifying that connection to the spiritual realms because I think that like even if you don't know what you're doing especially when you're that age like there's you're doing something like something's coming out of you yeah and I remember like playing I mean literally playing with fire a lot too which not may not have been the greatest <laughs> thing but I definitely went they definitely corresponded with a pyro phase I went through. yeah <laughs> yeah oh my gosh that's so funny did you did you ever work with the elements or did you start collecting like herbs or like wearing pentacles like what it like how did this affect your like I guess identity when you were a teenager practicing Wicca um I collected a lot of incense. I had a lot yeah. of incense. I burned a lot of candles. Um, and I remember, I remember too, like putting like stuff in the candles. Like as it was burning, I would put herbs oh, and stones nice. in the candles, not really knowing what I was doing. Yeah. Um. So that was a big thing for me. And also, um, and this, I guess, this is a little rebellion. Um for me as well but I remember like taking burnt matches and the charcoal and carving upside down pentagrams and like <laughs> hail satan like oh my gosh yeah when then you get older and you realize that like it's just it's just vanishing like an upside like yeah. the upside I'm like oh okay it's not it's not what I thought it was yeah yeah <laughs> I mean I guess it too it depends on who you ask but um I'm trying to think too so when you were doing all this like witchy stuff do you remember any like like did you set actual intentions were you casting any specific spells or were you just kind of like fucking around I think I was just fucking around because like I wasn't really like trying to cast any sort of spells I mean I mean I guess I was um the only spell I even tried to even attempt was glamour ones and that's how I started like with so I started off with glamour magic and glamour spells and everything which I still do yeah but what are some of the glamour like spells or even mindfulness or practices like what are because I know that people always want want to know like what the glamour magic tips are so like what are some of the things that you do when you're working with glamour magic um so for example like um I I create specific sigils like for example I do the simple sigil method um which is where you write down your intentions you cross out like the vowels and repeating letters and you make like a symbol out of it yeah it's and, like very yeah it's very, yeah. very involved sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah but then I, I charge like my beauty products with it so I actually make my own like facial serum and I put it on the moonlight I actually have a little piece of rose quartz in the bottle and yeah everything. and so that's kind of how I do it um and just uh the sigil like corresponds with 
different intentions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do that too. The, like I always charge my cosmetics. That's why I always try to get things that are in clear bottles. And mm-hmm. then yeah, with the, the rose quartz and my stuff too. Do you, do you do any, like, do you do any sort of meditations or anything around that? Or is it more, I guess it, I guess it could depend on like what your intentions are on any given day, but yeah, sometimes I do like sometimes, I mean, if I'm feeling really lazy, I listen to subliminals. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, other times I'll I'll do like, um, ritual around it. Like I'll do, like I have specific spells. I, I thought up myself. Yeah. Um, that I wrote myself that I will do um, a lot of like mirror work, um, anything along those lines. I feel like we kind of like did a little time hop. So I want to reverse it just a little bit to where we left off. And I'm curious, you know, so we, we have an idea of like there was a little bit of a teenage rebellion. There were some glamour magic spells. Were you hiding your magic or were you kind of open about it? And if so, were there any arguments around it? Oh, I hit it. Yeah. <laughs> I totally hit it. Even like from people like who were admittedly practicing Wicca in my high school, I hit it. Yeah. You know. Do you know, do you have any ideas why you hit it from other practitioners? Honestly, I guess I just didn't feel like I was real enough of a practitioner because I just, uh, you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. the practitioners that I knew, like they were, like some of them were, you know, like, oh, my mom practiced or like, you know, I come from like a, like a lineage or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I could see how that would be intimidating, especially to a teenager. So I know that now, you know, you're pretty, you're pretty serious. Like you've, you've taken a lot of classes and like, I know that you're like part of a, you know, I I don't know. I'll edit this out if you say it's not okay, but I know you're part of a coven. Mm -hmm. Um, so what, like, did that, was that a consistent map? Did you step away from spirituality for a little bit? Like what did that evolution look like? Oh, I definitely stepped away from it for like a long, long time, especially when I got to college. Like I, like became an atheist in college. Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was just kind of the cool thing to do. And also just like the environment I was around, like spirituality just wasn't, it was kind of, again, it was like, I mean, yes, we, there were like Christians on campus or whatever, and they did their thing. Um, but there was the other feeling, again, same feeling I had in North Virginia growing up was that like, if you were spiritual in any sort of sense of the word, people thought you were either A, an idiot, or B, insane, or C, a combination of the two. Yeah, yeah, totally. Where did you go to, where did you go to college at? I went to the, I went to a place called the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. Oh, okay. What did you study? Uh, Biology and environmental science. Oh, nice. So when did you come, like, when did you come out to LA or what, like, what, what was your relocation history like? So after I graduated college, um, I then like, you know, moved to New York. Nice. Um, yeah. Just to try to make it and everything there. But then like, um, then came out to LA, you know, cause I decided I wanted to do the acting thing. So yeah, totally. Yeah. How long were you in New York for? Just a year. Did you, when did you pick up witchcraft again actually in new york in new york yeah where it's like enchantments and all those yeah i think so there was a i think if, if um that's the place i'm thinking of that's on saint mark's place there's like, all the they do all the candle carving yeah, okay yeah, yeah no i definitely like went there a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> did you take any classes or anything like that while you were out there i did not um that's where i actually just um got like the books like um i had another book a friend lent me uh same friend who i got my first book from and I just kind of read myself. Like, so I did a lot of self-learning, self-study. I, and I think that time too, I was like in a really big like mythology kick as well. Yes. So. I love it. So were you still then like I like pulling at the Wicca thread? When did it? Because I know that you don't necessarily, like you're not necessarily a declared Wiccan now, correct? No, no. And actually like we're like not Wiccan. So like my coven and I, we're not Wiccan. Yeah. So what did like... When did you start to open up to things outside of Wicca? Because Wicca is like the gateway drug in yeah. witchcraft, I think. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, it was funny because in New York, it was still very much Wiccan. But then like um, that store enchantments, they weren't specifically Wiccan as well. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when I started to like seek. They had books about like voodoo, Santeria, different yeah. like, you know, traditional witchcraft. So I started to kind of peruse those sections. Um, and it's because I was actually interested in spell work. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, and I, you know, I think Wicca, I think you do spell work in Wicca too, but that's not the point of Wicca. Right. Whereas like for me, it's like, I liked spell work. I like the idea of, you know, making change based on my will. Yeah, totally. Where, so did you, 
Did you practice any voodoo or Santeria at any point in time? No, I did not. But I think I remember going to a lot of those stores. Like there was a, because like the place I lived in New York, you know, there's yeah. a lot more botanicas around. Yes, which are awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I got a ton here too, though. Yeah, no. And I remember being able to get like, and it was just like a really, I mean, uh, for what it's worth, like, you know, it's just something really cool to like read up on and like learn about and everything too. But um like uh, over there, though, I I don't know. I was much more because for me, like you know, I came from you know, the craft, charmed Harry Potter, you know. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I totally get that. Yeah. And I think that, I mean I think that so many people our age do ultimately go back to the craft and even like practical magic and things yes, like yes, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Practical magic is still so when um when there's this scene in the movie when she's like, it's not real love, it was a spell, and he says, I wished for you too. Oh. I'm like. I'm not crying. Oh, like, <laughs> <I'm hard. laughs> um, okay. So now if you had to sort of like give an outline of like what, like what are the things that you started to study that got you to like what you're actually practicing now? Like what did that look like for you? So I started, um, a lot of self-study, like a lot of reading. Um, I wrote a book, on, I read a book on the Aradia tradition of Wicca and everything, which I like don't know. Like, I still don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't even know if I've heard of that before. Yeah, it was just like, it was, um, it was a, I think her name was Phyllis Coulot. And she like, um, she's an attorney, but then she's also a witch as well. Or Wicca practicing, Wicca, like Wicca practitioner and everything. But she had like a lot of really useful information. Mm-hmm. And then um, after that, I actually took uh, classes at the Green Man. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Do you, which which classes did you take? Oh, it was just the traditional witchcraft, yeah. I believe. And that was like really cool. Like I learned a lot of just spell, like straight up spell work. And I was like, oh man, yeah. this is cool. And I kind of liked how they taught like, you know, how to curse and hex in addition to everything else too. Because I don't know, I that's the one thing that like for me, like that was missing in a lot of my practice was because I was like, I want to know how to do that stuff too as well, you know? I'm curious what your sort of personal disposition on curses and hexes. I think across the board, it's going to vary from which to which. Yeah. And honestly speaking, like uh, my whole view on it is like, there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. Um, And of course, you know, everyone says like, and I kind of do them like this as well. It's like more of a last resort because only, only just because it's like, you know, it takes a lot of energy to make something like that and see something like that through. That's all like, right. um, you know, and usually it's going to be intense work too. So for me, if I'm like going to, if I'm even tempted to do a curse or a hex, I just have to question myself, am I, is it worth me expending all this energy into something, you know, versus, you know, doing a banishing or a yeah. bind, even a binding. I'm okay with doing binding. Yeah. Or if it's someone's certain shit reversals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. Like a curse and a hex is a kind of heavy duty stuff, but also like I wouldn't shy away from it if it was necessary. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like there are any sort of like karmic repercussions to her, like hexing and curses? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I think if you are able to really justify it, like it, right. that's a thing. Like if you can like say, I, I, I had, I did everything I could to do this. And if this is justified, then I would have no like karmic issue doing it or anything like that. Right. Like, especially if you felt like you were actually defending yourself or defending someone else. But there are like, I think, I feel like there are willy nilly hexers out there. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, fucking feel like it. Yeah. And that's of course, I mean, and that's the thing with any spell work too. Like, even if it's like, you know, a love attraction or wealth attraction, any, any of those like more benign spells or something like that. I think there's, and like you, that can go willy nilly as well. Mm-hmm. Cause it's all upsetting a balance no matter what you're doing. So. Yeah. Cause you're, yeah, you're disturbing sort of like the natural order as it stands in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, even like if you do a prosperity spell, like it could be that you end up taking away from someone else without like realizing it. Yeah. And so the intention might not be malicious on your own, but it could like, you know, come about in a weird way. I've heard of people doing like prosperity spells and like inheriting money. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause they, yeah, like <laughs> they're like, ah, oh, fuck. Like I killed someone yeah. <laughs> or like a love attraction one, which I've seen and like, just like a general one too. And then they do attract someone, but then like that person becomes obsessed with them. And that's like, yeah. Yeah. It makes them like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know it's true. People have to be careful, but it's also like, I don't know. I think I stand with you too, where it's like, you shouldn't really be afraid of it. And if you're afraid of, 
of the work, then it's kind of like a problem. But I know that like even outside of witchcraft, you know, you do do readings and, Mm -hmm. you know, even if you're using a tool like tarot, you're like you're channeling someone, you're in tuning information, like you're you're like your guides are talking to their guides and everyone's like trying to like, you know, um, get to like the message. And so I'm wondering, you know, what do you do to protect yourself from like an energy exchange if you're hexing or cursing someone, or do you think that's even possible? Um, I, you know, interesting. I don't think you could fully like, you know, shield yourself from it, but I think you can mitigate, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I've been. And that's the thing. It's like, I even like, you know, put the why in the grace for me because mm-hmm. um that's the actual thing I live in the gray like that is my territory my domain like right. um I feel most comfortable there so for me there's never any 100% sure thing one way or the other so yeah I think there's a way to mitigate those energies and make it less you know I guess uh the impact less harsh or something I don't know if that's a word yeah so yeah. that yeah like and like oh, when I think that too it's like if you know what you're if you know what energies you're involving yourself with it is easier to do that versus like the person you're directing the energy at like it takes them a little bit more off guard yeah have you ever felt like someone was casting against you no no that's good yeah never (laughs) um because uh, here's the thing is like I have two very different worlds um like my like I have my witchy world my occult world and everything my spiritual world and I have the side of my life that's absolutely not that yeah and so the only and then like I don't and so they're just so separate and the people I tend to piss off tend to be in the other world. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think that most people who are practicing, like, especially at the level that you're practicing at, yeah. have an emotional maturity and a mental maturity to where like, even if like there is a conflict, it's sort of usually like a desire to work things out and talk mm-hmm. things through. Like, I know if I have a conflict with anyone, like that's my first instinct. Like, let's just talk it out. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, you know, it doesn't always work. People aren't always receptive yeah, to that. Yeah. You know, people sometimes just don't want to go there with you, but I feel like that's kind of like, I think that you mature emotionally quite a bit when you're a serious practitioner yeah. or a serious reader. Um, and then that's when it's easier to sort of like diffuse situations and make peace. Yeah. Um, now when it comes to sort of like, what are some, like, I know you'd mentioned kind of like you work from the gray or you kind of live in the gray area. So what, like, if you were going to give more context to that statement, what would that look like? So what I mean by gray magic, I actually am doing, referring to something really specific from, um, it was a book written by Donald Michael Craig and he's like this big figure in like the kind of a cult, like more like mm-hmm. Golden Dawn, like those mystery lodges and everything. Yeah. And, um, the way they define it is, uh, so for example, so what they called, and I I mean, black, white, like I'm just kind of, I wish there were other terms. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm just going to use those anyway. So when they mean like, you know, light magic or, you know, that means like light magic means like purely communing with deity. Mm -hmm. That's all it means. Communing with your, I guess, holy, call it holy guardian angel or higher self or just, you know, your deity or whatever. Um, What they call dark magic or like black magic is like, causing change through will to like for the intent of harm right now gray magic means like basically enacting change through your will to cause good right so so it's like marrying the book yeah yeah and I think that I think that people really get those and I mean I don't know if it's possible to get those terms confused because I think that it like in anything spiritual it just depends on what you think it means yeah um but I do like I do think that people without truly investigating it or trying to look into it further, have this idea that like white is good, black is bad. And, yeah, like, and yeah. then like, that's it. And it's like, no, you like, you can, yeah, like, <laughs> for example, like, um, like if you, for anyone who practices Hikate, like who work like, you know, practices or works with Hikate, for example, and you know, like Hikate has certain rituals, like there's one ritual that's done on the new moon. Um, which is purely just like making offerings to her and everything. Like Depnon. Depnon, yeah, yeah. Depnon. Um, that is what I, I would call that like light magic or, you know, that white magic because that is like just communing, purely communing with deity, you know? Yeah. Do you, have you worked with very many deities? Um, at first I was actually uncomfortable doing so. Um, okay. Because coming from a Christian background, like I was uncomfortable working with a deity, of course. Right, yeah. 
I could see that. Now, was you uncomfortable because you didn't want to worship a higher being or because it felt like it was going against like some like something that was ingrained in you to like not worship false idols? For me, it was more just like kind of going back to what I before, you know? Yeah. Just I, I had an uncomfortable because for me, then it would have to like I had to be like, OK, there's another higher being outside of like, you know, material existence. And I'm, you know, now. pretty scarred by that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then as I started working with like, you know, so then I just started working with like spirits and elements and the fairies yeah. and that kind of thing, which then kind of made me more comfortable working with deity. So now I actually like working with deity and, but like I kind of work with a few different ones. Yeah, I do too. I don't, I don't like to like pledge myself to one deity. I've thought about it and I have like my two MVPs that I work with. Like Pan is one of them. He's my guy, but, um, and then Hakate is yeah. like, she like, cause like, I only work with Hakate when I really want to like bring out the big fucking guns though. Yeah. <laughs> because like, I don't, I don't worship her to the extent that you guys do. I yeah. don't worship her to the extent that Sal does, but like, I, you know, I, I work with her and anytime I work with her, it's like fucking serious. And like, she'll like, if there's a, if there's something in my spell, that's like not for my highest purpose, she's like, I'll fucking give it to you. But like, it's going to fuck you. Yeah. And like, <laughs> she'll like, you know, like she'll be real, real with me. Yeah. So I'm curious because you have this, like, you have this history of working with elementals and spirits and, and you know, all that sort of thing. Do you think that working with the deity is more powerful? Um, ultimately, I think yes. I think um, the kind of like elementals or, you know, um, even like ancestors, you know, um, ancestral, which I actually do work with ancestral spirits as well. Yeah. Um, uh, that I think they're good for like kind of the day to day stuff, you know, giving you day to day guidance. You know, for example, if you see, I mean, for me, like I, I'm a numbers person, mm-hmm. so I do see like 11, 11, 4, 4, 4, 5, 5, all those yeah, things. Totally. Like, I see number patterns all the time. So for me, me too. That's, yeah. I, that's how I know, you know, <laughs> yeah, that they're around. Yeah. I feel like, um, so many people, so many people like, feel like they want to do ancestral work but they like they're like I don't feel my ancestors around me or I don't feel my guides around me and to me it's always just like well are you looking are you open like how are you trying to how are you trying to build that yeah how are you trying to build that relationship do you have an altar because like we get we have to I think that we need to fuel our guides yeah and so I'm curious like if someone wanted to come to you for advice about working with their ancestrals mm-hmm. like what does that look like for you and what do you what would you recommend other people do so for me like the way I work with my ancestors like, at least for this is where like my kind of cultural context come like background comes into because it's like um so like my like before the Christians came in, yeah. <laughs> um, my I'm pretty sure like my ancestors were either a Buddhist or Confucian, like Confucianist or something like that. So if you're, because um, my grandmothers were from China, and so they did um, ancestral worship there. And oh, so cool. um, I started researching those like methods of like worshiping them. So offering oranges, I went to the 99 Ranch and I got some incense and like the money that you burn. Um, like the ancestral money. Oh, what is? Wait, where did you go to get that? Uh, ninety nine ninety nine ranch. It's um, it's a, like an Asian supermarket and everything. But oh, they cool. have like um, they have a whole like section for like con- like Buddhist like Buddhism section. So they have candles, offerings. Um, so I bought like incense that would have been burned in Buddhist temples. Yeah, you know, back in home country, whatever. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and then um, I also bought some money, and I think you're supposed to burn the money. Like that's where it's like uh, a, I think, I think, offering. yeah, it's an offering. Cause I, the belief and, and I think a lot of cultures have this belief as well. Like that money burning is a common practice to worship your ancestors because it's giving them money in the afterlife that they can live and stuff like that. So oh, yeah. I'm not, like, now I'm going to have my inheritance burned. Like when I, when I, die, I'm going to be like, no, this needs to be burned with me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry guys. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, did you like, have you studied Buddhism for your ancestral work? And do you like take any of those practices with you or is it more of a, just like, what is it like, what is that relationship like for you? Uh, It's kind of like a, um, like a learning process right now because a lot of that knowledge was lost to me. Um, you know, once my, like my grandparents converted to Christianity and all that stuff was gone, they just completely annihilated it, um, in their family line. So they didn't like tell us anything about that. Um, 
you know, so I had to kind of just research and just, I remember just observing people. So um, my family, um, uh, we're from Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, so over there is like, it's funny over there, everything has spirits. Like the belief there, like spirituality, ghost spirits, they're everywhere. Like yeah. every, um, there's a practice that they have over there where they have um, a shrine, like a spirit house and every property, every house has to have one. Cause the belief is that if you don't have one and you don't make offerings to it regularly, the spirits are going to try to take over your house. Oh, so it's like to appease. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, so there's shrines like that everywhere, even like corporate buildings, like wow. hotels, skyscrapers, like, you know, places like it, imagine if like, let's just say like a Trump tower would have one there too. You yeah. Know? This, what is typical in a spirit house? Um, so usually they have some kind of figurine. So sometimes it's like a Buddha statue. Other times it's like another like deity. Um, oftentimes it could just be like a local deity too, like a local spirit. And yeah. then it's usually kind of like, they're usually really ornate. There's actually one in Thai town, um, like on, I think Hollywood or something, Hollywood Boulevard. But if there's, yeah, there's the one in Thai town. Um, and yeah, they're usually really like kind of beautiful golden gilded structures and um, yeah. people leave like flowers, they'll leave garlands, they'll leave like, you know, food, drink offerings, like incense, lots of incense. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, on one end, I'm like, that sounds really cool. Like, I, like I want something like that. And then on the other end, I'm like, I kind of want the spirits to take over my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you do you do anything like that or do you have any sort of practice where you try to like ward spirits out or like what is your relationship like as someone who is sensitive and is intuitive like what do you and like especially if you're contacting with DDs like I've no I know you've felt entities so what do you do to like What's your, what's your spiritual housekeeping look like? I'll say that. Um, I, I tend to do, so every year on Samhain, I do uh, beating the bounds with, I take my best sim and I just kind of beat, tap the windowsills uh-huh. in my, in my place to kind of like delineate, like this is my space. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I also have like, you know, physical wards set up too. So like I make wards and I put protective wards and put them up like around the, like doors and windows and everything what sort of materials do you usually use for your wards so my coven and I we made like um we made wards um like uh for each other some time back and it was like a little gift we gave to each other so it was basically like made out of sticks and corn husks like that's that so cute oh <laughs> um I've always been pretty solitary with my practice but and I I assume that you've had like solitary and coven mm-hmm. journey what do you feel like is the main difference in working in solitary versus working in a coven? Um, working in a coven, you definitely have structure and there's like a basis for your practices. So, um, you know, for example, like now I don't really have to like freak out about how I'm going to call quarters or like, you know, consecrate the elements because I know how to do it. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just like automatic. Yeah. Um, and also too, like it kind of... Um, like solitary, I like solitary, like, uh, because when I was still exploring, you know, that was solitary was great. Mm-hmm. It was great to kind of like do my own thing. And, you know, I still like do my own thing, but yeah. with a coven, like at least I feel like I have a foundation and I'm, I think I'm someone who needs that, you know, some people like they're fine when they're you just doing it by themselves, but I need someone to tell me like, okay, have you, you know, yeah. <laughs> have you read this chapter, this book we're reading yet? You know, I'm like, Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. But it's nice because then it does like, I mean, there's the learning of spirituality and witchcraft and all that practice is so unstructured mm-hmm. inherently. So to have a coven or to have some sort of accountability, even through a class, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like I did kind of feel like I was running with like a, a chicken with my head cut off, like running around when I was solitary, just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because that's the thing, like, you know, I will say this, the solitary, not, not to denigrate anything, but if there's no like actual like good resources or learning or anything like that, then you're going to get people hexing the moon. You know what I mean? Which is yeah. kind of, I mean, I'm not like freaking out. They, it's not going to do anything to the moon, you know? Yeah, the moon's way bigger and older and powerful. But I wonder like, what is, like, where does that objective even come from? Honestly, I just, I just see it as the same. It was kind of like how I was like writing Hail Satan on the wall when I was yeah. that age. I just kind of see it like that. Yeah, shit. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, when you were working with Faye, what was that experience like for you? Because like, I don't fuck with the Fae because I don't want my stuff to go missing. 
So <laughs> I like heard you could leave out marbles and trinkets and stuff for them and they won't mess oh, with your stuff yeah. as much. Well, but here's the thing. I keep finding marbles around like my neighborhood. Like I live in really? Pasadena That's and weird. there's like this one street I go to and every single time I pass it, I always find a marble, like some loose marbles or marbles sometimes. So I collect them and yeah. I actually do have a little altar that dedicated to them and everything. And I leave out like, you know, offering sometimes and I that's where I also put all my trinkets as well because I, I tend just to find trinkets all over the place and I don't know why you just bring it home for your fairies yeah just I, I like I actually recently I found like a part of a rosary like just on the ground Aww. yeah I love rosaries so much well that's kind of like where my like where my cultural like background comes into my like yeah. I do saint magic yeah. and I like I, I've made rosaries before but um I do love saint prayer candles and stuff like that so I think it is nice when you can take like a piece of like your lineage but then also like fuck everything else up with witchcraft if you yeah. want to <laughs> yeah yeah right when it comes to like your work with the fae do you have specific fairies that you know are around you? Um, a couple. Like I, um, yeah. There's like a one I know that is definitely around me, and much more of a benign energy. But then yeah. there's also the ones that, I mean, my stuff still goes missing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it like to have them around? Like you know, like I know, like some people say they're playful. Like some people like say it raises the vibe up. Like what? Like what was your attraction to fairies, and what is your like understanding of like what is your not understanding of the folklore, but like connection to the folklore mythology? Like what resonates for you? I think like for me, it was the playful nature of some of the more like um, playful kinds of fairies. So like yeah. the the brownies, which can they can get pretty um, dark too, but uh -huh. like in terms they can get pretty like uh what's the word like malicious malicious yeah, yeah. but the, usually they're the ones taking your stuff like yeah <laughs> do you do you have any ideas on why they take your shit is it like because you're fucking up or you're not bringing them trinkets like what usually is the cause of that you don't know I have no idea in my case I have no idea because it's like I I do everything and like I still cannot get my earrings back they're just bored yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah like and like I I have a pair of like these beloved earrings that my cousin bought me they are like these huge gold looking discs and they they look like sun goddess earrings basically and they're oh. so beautiful and then I can't find them <laughs> and like actually I stole them no I'm just kidding yeah, no, right? <laughs> I feel like um because they're like because fairies are so like mercurial mm. that it might even be like a clear audience connection or they just sort of like insert messages into your mind do you ever feel like w if when you have mental chatter that the fairies might be like active yeah oftentimes like well I know like uh, and this might just be because I'm, I'm like an actor too but yeah <laughs> um I've I like I'll I do talk to myself admittedly and me too, um, me too girl yeah <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'll be like you're fucking weird like why did you just think that like yeah or I'll just like can I just like think subconscious thoughts aloud or and everything yeah. um but I notice like I'll slip into an accent like a different dialect or oh. something like that like I often slip into a British accent or a Scottish one or something like yeah. that sometimes and sometimes it's Australian but anyways like I know when that happens like they're fucking like I'm like I'm like what is this like yeah <laughs> do they ever like do you feel like they get involved with you when you're rehearsing or do you think that they're around for your creative process usually um that I think yeah I think they are but sometimes I think they just kind of like um I think it's one of those things where I okay so this is what happens it's like if I'm being too like um streamlined into something if I'm thinking if I'm trying to be too perfectionistic or something yeah. about uh, creating my creative process or if I think I'm like you know like the shit or something yeah. <laughs> then they kind of do something to mess it up a bit yeah that's yeah I'm like I feel like that that's like not even just like the fairies that do that. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel as an artist? Like, do you, were you acting before you got back into witchcraft? Yes. Yes. So how did this, how has this enriched your disposition as an artist? Um, I think I became a lot comfortable with just, um, embodying different aspects of myself and my personality, like, and just kind of seeing myself as a more multifaceted person, mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to, like the darker, like aspects of my personality, kind of yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm Leo sun, but then a uh, moon Scorpio, Scorpio rising, yeah. and just a lot of stuff in Scorpio. So Which, yeah, yeah, I love Scorpio energy, but. It's not, it's so different than Leo energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it makes me like be more empathetic towards like people in general, you know, like yeah. for example, like 
they take villains, for example, when you play a villain, villains don't think they're evil. Villains think they're doing the right thing. Yeah, that they're justified. And usually there's some sort of trauma that like makes them have that sort mm-hmm. of point of view. Yeah. Um, when it comes to sort of like your, because you are, you are a reader, you've been reading for a while. I feel like now are you, do you read solely out of the crooked path or have you started to like take on private clients as well? Um, both. I mean, yeah. So I still read like solely out of the crooked path, but I've been getting more and more like a couple here and there wanting to, you know, get private readings for me too. So it's, it's like, um, my, my goal is to have like, you know, that going on as well. Yeah. Too. Um, you might get some from this record, like from this, um, <laughs> <laughs> from this recording anyway, but because I know a lot of my listeners do get readings a lot, but I'm curious, like when you are approaching, when you are approaching a session, like what is your focus? What's the agenda? What's your goal? And then like, what are some of the things that you try to stay away from? So, uh, my goal, my agenda when I read is just to kind of like read into the situation and like, you know, see what aspects the person I'm reading for has control over basically. Cause to me, that's the most important thing. Like, for example, if they're coming to me with a question about love or like, you know, why is this person not responding? I try to make it about like, you know, a like, you know, what can they do in the situation? And then B, like if they really need to know about the other person's energy, I kind of I do tap in and everything yeah. to see what else what else is there. But then it's like, you know, I, I, I say thing I kind of make and that's actually something I learned from you I, I make it you know for example the person's like dealing with love and the other person's like kind of hot and cold I kind of say to the person do you want to deal with this energy do yeah. you want to like handle this do you want to be around with this stuff or do you want to do something else <laughs> yeah <laughs> and here are your options yeah. yeah I mean I think that it's like you know as readers I think that sometimes we and it's it's not all the time I feel like for the most part when I have clients like they really are like wanting to just like follow their highest path and but like you do every once in a while get people who like are obsessive and like don't want to let go of a situation and like you know especially if it is a love reading and it's like involving someone who isn't you know is like receptive to a partnership like what is like how I mean like what's your disposition when it comes to that like what do you do when you're trying to pull someone away from like the spiral um I kind of like um usually try to like that's when I pull out the oracle cards yeah <laughs> because they're softer and it's yeah. more encouraging yeah oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I do that I, I usually kind of like I do the oracle card stuff um I also kind of like um, again, I try to make it about the person getting yeah. the reading, like what they can do to make themselves feel better. So if it's like someone who's like, just not interested in a relationship or, you know, they're like, they told the person reading for that they're smelly and they don't like yeah. them or something, you know, like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, then I just kind of like, you know, um, I just kind of say like, you know, there, I usually try to see if there's another energy coming towards them, like another person or another, like, so then I say, well, for example, like if I get like the queen king of swords in the reverse that represents the person that they're asking about and I'll try to pull another card and sometimes I'll actually, sometimes I I'll get like a king of pentacles coming up in the upright position for another energy. Yeah. 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 And I'm just like, Oh, this is the one you want. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> you just got to move away from this. Cause there's something. And I think that's kind of good too. When people like, cause I feel like when you're that engrossed in another person, especially mm-hmm. if they're not interested, like you do like, you need to focus on yourself, but you need to know there's something else coming. Yeah. And like, I do try to remind like them, like there's like just so many other people, like so many, like billions, yeah. billions of souls out there, you know, like, cause I mean, I, again, I don't, I don't really believe in soulmates or twin flames or anything. I don't yeah. really kind of, I don't really, you know, follow that. I mean, a lot of people, well, not a lot, but like a few people I know do. Mm-hmm. And I work with them on that. So I'm not going to be like, Hey, I don't believe in twin flames, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that like, I, I believe in soulmates, like the multiple soulmate thing. Yeah. But like when we're looking at twin flames, I feel like I don't, I don't know if it exists or not. Like it could, but I just feel like the concept of it is so damaging to yeah, people yeah, that yeah. it's not worth investing in. Yeah. Like I think that when people feel like they've met their twin flame and it's like, 
it's like they can't see anyone else. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it can be really damaging. And I feel like it sucks because like we, you know, the spiritual community that we like got to this place where we were like, no, like there's not just one soulmate. We can have multiple soulmates. And then like it like liberated people from that fantasy. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, but twin flames. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like I thought we were, I thought we got past this. I know, right? <laughs> I was so like, I was totally laughing to myself that when you said that like, oh, if someone like said they were smelly because it made me think of, um, when I was like in high, like middle school or high school, I think it was, I was like, there was this punk rock boy who I totally like had a crush on and I was talking to him over AIM and he was like, oh, what were you doing today? And I was like, oh, I just got home from an anti-war protest. Like so fucking cool. And he was like, oh, I like you. You're cool. We should hang out. And to fuck with him, I said, I don't want to hang out with you. I think you're smelly. But I was like fucking with him. I liked him so much. Oh my God. And he like logged off of AIM <gasps> and like never like flirted oh with me again. <laughs> and like never. But I was like, <laughs> it's my boyfriend that's where he said, like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I don't know. I thought I was being funny. <laughs> like for like 14 year old. Sorry, Zach. He's like, he went real Christian though. So I guess it's for the best. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, we're, we're, we were getting close to time. We still have about 10 minutes left. I wanted to ask you like within yourself as a reader, because there are so many people that listen to this that I know want to start up their business and want to like take that step towards reading. Like what is your recommendation when it comes to like finessing yourself from a hobbyist to a professional? Um, I will say, I think for me is this like really getting to know yourself first of all, and then the cards, like I went the school route. So I read every book I could on the tarot. Yeah. I research. I also teach a tarot course as well. Yeah. At the Um, crooked path, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and I made sure to understand the history of it. Most importantly, where it comes from, because for me that actually helps. So now I can understand like what each symbol, at least in the Rider weight mm. version, like means, and I can use that to extrapolate. So just being like super comfortable because it's like, yes, I am using my intuition and whatever, you know, um, I would say I'm an intuitive reader, but at the same time, like, you know, the structure, the foundation is what really solidified it for me. Like it helped me be confident. Yeah. And I think that like using tarot cards, cause like I'll do readings where I don't touch my tarot cards, but like some, you know, it just depends on yeah. what's coming up in the reading. Like if it's someone's personal energy, I don't usually use cards, but if it's like day-to-day situations, I feel like they bring a lot of detail. Yeah. They bring a lot of detail to the reading that like wouldn't normally exist. When you started, like, I feel like a lot of people have issues charging money for it too. Yes, yes, yes. So how was that for you when you were like, okay, like I'm good enough at this. Now I'm going to charge. Yeah. What did that feel like? That was, that was uncomfortable for me. And I I guess it's the same thing I did when I was trying to like, when I was setting up my Etsy store too, which is now up and running, like it's been up and running for a few years now, Mm -hmm. um, eternal magic. Nice. (laughs) And, um, and I felt uncomfortable pricing things, but then like when people were willing to buy them, that's when I was like, oh, okay. Like, and, um, I was definitely, I became more, I think it's just kind of getting used to it, you know, um, people, cause people are willing to pay for your services. Um, and it's just like, you know, I kind of started off, uh, the way I based my price was I just kind of looked around and see what people were charging yeah um and you know what uh what the crooked path charges for example for the readings was a good kind of like basis and then like you know kind of taking it from there so yeah totally what do you sell in your Etsy shop I sell like uh jewelry like so I wire wrap crystals I also make like crowns and stuff like that so oh nice that's very cool and so eternal magic is the name of your shop yeah what made you decide to like brand your brand your Etsy shop that way like I feel like branding is like like such a weird fucking thing in the spiritual community so what is like what's your approach to that uh for me I kind of come from it from more esoteric occultish um view of it like kind of uh, approach to it so like you know I talk a lot about like occultism mythology folklore because that's a lot of my inspiration comes from so it's like I don't so my items are not like magical because I don't really do that with my items but I you know I do that with my items yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally so maybe it's like you're not like marketing it that way specifically but you're, you're kind of doing it just I think inherently too if you're making something yeah by hand because I think you know if you're making something by hand you're and you're already imbuing you're it with energy, energy. Yeah. yeah exactly do you charge all your pieces and stuff like that when before you send them out actually I don't because I think people do it themselves you know yeah I think they do too so that's why I don't I just kind of let 
you know, whatever anyone wants to do with it. And it's also too like to like appeal to like secular people as well. So I don't necessarily oh. like kind of, I mean, it, so it kind of draws in like secular people who are like, Ooh, this is kind of cool and everything, you know, mm-hmm. but then like people in the world are like, Oh yeah, you know, I can charge this and do what I want with it. But yeah. Yeah. If people are wanting to expand like their magical practice or their psychic practice, what are the ways that you recommend them doing that? And are there any resor- resources you would recommend? Um, yeah. So like if or, I guess I can do like the like two different ways. So if you're someone who's more like, you know, kind of used to just you know, run the mill, like witchcraft, kitchen witchcraft, and you want to expand, I'd suggest like maybe picking up like a ceremonial magic book, like mm-hmm. anything by like, um, I would say I liked Modern Magic by Donald Michael Craig. It's a big book, but it's like pretty, you know, well researched, well written and everything as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that or Summoning Spirits by Constantine too, that's got some interesting stuff in there. Um, and for the flip side, if they're more ceremonial magicians who are trying to experiment with the witchcraft, I would recommend like, you know, maybe picking up like a, um, like one of those, like, a, I don't know, like specific books per se, but like, um, there's one on, I mean, a kind of foray into it would be like any sort of like, I guess Buckland, he kind of does, okay, yeah. um, you know, that big witchcraft book is pretty dry. But <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say like, I have so many books that I picked up and only read the first chapter of because I'm just like, this shit is so boring. Yeah. Like, this is like, I'm just going to meditate and like ask my guides what they think. Yeah. But but like, what do you think are some of the more digestible like texts or like even if there aren't texts that are that digestible, like what do you recommend doing in order to like power through or get through the information i think it like for me it will be like looking at a specific subject you're interested in the craft for example yeah. if you're into candle magic look up lady Rhea's like book on candle magic that kind of thing mm-hmm. or if you're into like oh, i forgot the name of it but there's um you know uh there's one book i actually really liked called um it's like a book about fairies like specifically fairy magic and stuff like that but it's um uh, I got forgot the title of the book and everything, but it's like kind of how you connect with fate energy. So I think it's just anything looking up the specific subject you're interested in. So candle magic, herbs, yeah. you know, um, there's a book called Incenses, Oils, and Brews, which I love. So good, yeah, yeah by Cunningham. Cunningham, yeah. Yeah, and then also his Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs is so good, yeah. especially because it's like, even if you're like, I feel like there are like crafty witches yeah, who yeah, aren't yeah, necessarily yeah. like, I want to be a ceremonial magician or like even like I want to like, cast spells but like I want to be mindful or I want to work with the planetary like I'd say I work with planetary energy Mm -hmm. every day because I have all the different candles I have like like a ton of seven day candles yeah but I don't burn them all the way down I'm like I'm gonna burn this candle today because this is like what I want to bring in today so I think that's another thing that's like if people feel like they want to have fun yeah with their spirituality like making candles or dressing your own candles or like for me I come from a really crafty like aspect of it too because I make a lot of crafts I make like little like you know you get those Christmas like glass Christmas ornaments you can fill I make little witch balls out of them (laughs) yeah and witch jars too and I feel like it's so important for people to like not feel threatened because like okay here's the thing there are a lot of snobby ass occultists Mm -hmm. Like there are snobby ass practitioners who like are gatekeepers basically. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like anytime someone's telling you like you have to do this in order to practice or like don't follow this person and like, it's just like, what fuck off. You know what I mean? Like get the fuck out of here. So like, what would your advice be to someone who is feeling like, you know, both like apprehensive to like call themselves a witch, but also like people who have already like, declare themselves a witch like at what point do you feel like someone is ready to start like offering services or selling candles or doing things like that um I think it's uh has to do it's a really fine line but I think like I think you're ready when you like when you have what we call the year and the day so in our coven well we if we for example if you want to join our coven or something then you would have to study as a dedicant Mm -hmm. for a year and a day which means you're doing the curriculum you're reading you're doing the homework you're doing the assignments right um uh, and for that period and if you get through it then that's when you're able to kind of like be initiated and everything so I would say like you would be ready like it would take about a year and a day which is what I did on myself today was I took a year and a day so oh before you started like um offering tarot readings or stuff like that or uh yeah and then also that's a good yeah rule of thumb. yeah I think that's a totally good rule of thumb when how intensive 
was your year in a day for your coven? Can I ask that? Like how intensive are the studies for that? Um, they're pretty intensive. Like yeah. we, we had assignments and that's about as um, far as I can say about it, but right. Right. <laughs> but several hours a week, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely meetings and discussions and required like, you know, attendance for meetings. Yeah. Do you feel like, so for me, that's always been one of the harder pills to swallow because it feels like church kind of mm-hmm. like that structure that I like felt like I had to run away from. Yeah. So like, have you ever felt that way about practicing in a coven? But like, or like, how do you like resolve that? I have struggled with it before because yeah. I know what that's, I know the, the resistance to it, but I also like, remember we invented that shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's so true. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, you're right. You're totally right. Thank you so much for uh, for coming in and visit. And this is like the first in-person interview I've done inside in a really, like I'd probably over a year. Oh, wow. <laughs> so like I was setting up, I was setting up my equipment outside for a couple, but like mostly I've been doing Zoom. So it's so nice to have someone like in my home. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> vaccinations are wonderful. If you're not vaccinated yet, you should think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, if people want to, I feel bad for my, my listeners, but I've been really pushing the vaccine. <laughs> um, <laughs> if people want to reach out to you for a reading or if people want to find you, how should they do that? So I, you can either go through the crooked path or I am also, you can go through my um, Instagram account, um, which is is at eternal underscore magic m-a-g-i-c-k um and then there's a link to my website through there as well perfect 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 and i think that's going to be the play like i think that's probably going to be the move people want to make if they want a reading with you but they're not in la area so that they can set something up and you do phone readings yeah i do i do zoom readings me too i think the zoom i prefer zoom to the phone because i feel like i want to see you yeah same and yeah. I can show you the cards that come out and everything yeah so. exactly well do you have any last thoughts before I let you go um no just uh the only thing I can say is that you know keep practicing if this is something you want to do then go for it um yeah <laughs> awesome thank you again for being here of course <laughs>